It's my mom. It's just us. You and us. Who you in the park with? I don't know names. I just got lost. Where did you see the lady? One, one lady. The female jogger was severely beaten and raped. Every black male who was in the park last night is a suspect. I need all of them. What's going on with my son? Your son was involved in a rape in Central Park. What? No, it's, no, it's, no, it's, no, it's no, no, Wait a second, wait a second. They saw you rape the lady. I didn't see a lady or hit anyone. I didn't see any lady. Kevin. I didn't see any lady. I want to see my son right now, right now. Whatever they said, I did. Nothing these boys state matches the central facts of the crime. All we need is for one to tie this whole thing together. These tapes are not as clean as the state would have you believe. There is injustice happening here. There is not one shred of evidence. Imagine the frenzy of these teenagers. Ripping off her are innocent of these crimes. They are guilty. like this what other way they ever do us hello hello it is i untamed and welcome to diamonds after dark where our discussions with our where our diamond discussions i should say it like that are real raw and untamed and tonight i just want to welcome my lovely co-host miss pd and timeless v welcome ladies how are you doing this evening Hello, hello, so it's so. All is well. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, just to let the listeners know, um, tonight's topic is a heavy one. Um, we will be diving into the Netflix docuseries, When They See Us, about the, and I always, I, I slip up because I always started out even with the promo, I said the Central Park Five, but from now on out, after having seen the series in its entirety, I'm just going to call them by what their new group name is, which is the Exonerated Five, because God knows they have earned that right. And um, like I said, I know that this is going to be a difficult issue to tackle, but the only way we can spark change is to keep allowing our voices to speak out for those who can't speak for themselves. You know, we just, we have to keep this narrative alive because as hard as it is for us, I can't even imagine how hard it is for them and any other black and brown man and woman who's been trapped in the system, trapped by the system, or killed dealing with the system. So, you know, to give us a fresh start, ladies, I'm going to just take a quick break, let the sparks come in a little bit, and we're going to come back and we'll try to tackle this as best we can, Okay. Okay, guys, we are back. And like I said, if you missed the first half, what we essentially are talking about are the exonerated five from when they see us, Ava DuVernay's docuseries that premiered on Netflix which has, according to Netflix, has become the most watched series of all time. 
um, on their actual network and just in general what the actual story covers is a real life story based on true events of five young men who were basically tracked down um, and prosecuted for the rape and attempted murder of a jogger in Central Park in 1989. Um, They were actually sentenced and they did serve time for that and all of them have to this day maintained their innocence. They said that their statements were coerced and in 2002 they were exonerated because the actual rapist and attempted murderers stepped forward and admitted to the crimes DNA samples, hair samples and his recollection of time and location all matched exactly to the T as to the actual crime that was committed and um, the young man in 2014 and I, I believe a year or two later were actually rewarded $41 million and then another $3.9 million from the state of New York because of the time they served for crimes they did not commit. It, commit. So let's just start off with our general thoughts. And, and I'm going to kick it to you, Tam, because V, you did not watch it. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. So I'm going to start off with you, Tam, and we'll piggyback to you, V. Um, Tam, what did you think about the movie in general? Uh, I, well, the movie itself, how they um, portrayed it was phenomenal. How they told the story. Uh, let me just say that first and foremost the story itself is like it's sickening very sickening it's hard to watch it's hard to comprehend you know these five young boys how they were railroaded into a confession and I have to say like (laughs) what what really really gets to me untamed is the fact that why did they even though they were young, why did these boys or their parents think that they were going to go home by confessing to a rape and a beating of a white woman? These Mm -hmm. cops kept telling these five boys, just tell the truth, just tell the truth. You sign this confession, you can go home tonight. We, I mean... I mean, I know they were young. I'm, I'm not trying to badger them and make it worse. But I'm just saying, like, how did that sink into your mind? Then you have the parents who are telling their children to just sign it. Just sign the confession. Why would you tell your child that if you believe that they are innocent? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, that has a... I have a hard time with that. And it doesn't sit right in my spirit. And... It's crazy because they didn't have any concrete evidence on these boys, not even circumstantial evidence on these boys. Nothing. Nothing connected these boys. Nothing to this rape. No, no DNA, no blood, no nothing. So how can they pin this on these boys and how are they convicted of it? And, you know, um, just to to add on to what you said, when watching it, I was very disturbed. And I think 
I want to say that Yusuf was the only one who did not actually sign and they, they actually made a mention of that in an article that I read. They said he was the only one who didn't make a confession and that was because his mother, his mother. was the one his mother was not there. Right. She was the one that wasn't there. And she found out where he was because she was looking for him trying to figure out where he was. Mm-hmm. And did not know he had been picked up by the police and was under interrogation. And she went and she stopped it because she said that she was going to go to the news about the prosecutor, about her letting the police question her underage son without parental consent. However, because they coerced the other teams to implement that put his name in it Mm -hmm. that's how he got brought up on the charges and essentially that's really how they got caught is because they were telling them to say this person did they didn't even know each other they they kept saying if you say Antron did and he was like who's Antron he said you gotta say Antron did this so that you can go home or you gotta say Kevin did this so you can go home. And they were just at this point at the end, they said it was a total of 42 hours they interrogated them without a bathroom break, without food or anything. And they just basically said, okay, this is what Antron did, and this is what and see by the time and what really made it stick was because they recorded the confession. But by the time they recorded the confessions, they had already made them repeat this story God knows how many times mm-hmm. until they got it to some semblance of being correct or what they wanted them to say. I mean, and even with Corey, he came down there. And, and this, Just is, to, this is the thing. About, oh, man. Whoo, Corey. Oh, let me tell you Corey. Corey, yeah. just so you, I don't know if you even knew this part, but Corey... He has a little, few mental challenges, but him and Yusuf were friends, best friends. And he was 16. He was the oldest one out of all of them. They were going to pick up Yusuf. The detective said, do you want to just go down here and be with your buddy? And he said, yeah, I'll go with him. Corey was not there during the time everything that happened. Corey strictly went to the police station because he said, his mama would kill me if she know I let him go down there by himself. Support for his but friend, period. Supporting his friend, period. He was, his name wasn't on the roster as even being in the park. He wasn't up for questioning. When they could not get the boy's stories to align, they went and found him and beat him up. Yep. And made him tell the story they wanted him to tell on tape so that he could go home. He was so scared. He said, I just want to go home. And this young man was convicted and he wasn't even there. And he spent the most time and he spent 11 and a half years in in, in adult prison. Rutgers, uh, Rikers Island, Attica, Wendy. Three different hardcore criminal facilities that he had to go to and be in for 11 and a half years. We'll go, I'll go into more his story later. Because Can I just say oh, something too, real quick? <sighs> The, the youngest one, uh, I don't remember his name, the one with the baby face, right? <laughs> they kept killing me in the movie when they kept saying, because, um, you know, the woman was raped and they said, she, you know, because they raped her, she was fighting back and that's how he got that scratch on his eye, right? Mm-hmm. And it kept burning my gears every time they kept talking about this scratch on his eye. I'm like, what the hell are y'all looking at? 
there's no scratch on his eye. Like his eye is puffed out to here, is beating in. And you remember in the beginning when a cop was chasing all the kids through the park, he mm-hmm. grabbed him, he threw him down on the ground, and he beat him in the head with his helmet. Yes, that's he how did. that's how he got that on his eye. And it's not a they kept calling it a scratch though. I'm like, mm-hmm. where are you getting a scratch from? Like it looked like the side mm-hmm. of his face was beating. You talking about a scratch? Ain't no scratch there. The hell are y'all looking at? Like nothing they said made sense. Nothing. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And before we just kind of go into it, B, I want to get your your thoughts as to why you hadn't watched it and what from what you read online and you hear us talking about, what are your thoughts and opinions? Um Okay, so when it first came out, please understand that these the this whole event took place in 1989 I was four years old at the time um and the reason why I reference that is because it's amazing how we live in such a um I don't want to say blind world but a lot of us do wear that um, veil over our eyes or you know our parents protect us and shield us from so many things um reading up on it when it first got out um you know I, I really dived into the story of it not not the turned movie based on real events or anything in that nature um I really dived into a lot of the court documents the transcripts the statement from you know the victim things in that nature which I'll get into that in a minute um I was compelled to the fact that I couldn't stomach it. And not to take away from this is our real, this is our reality. You know, this is the world that we really live in. And for those listeners out there that someone may be able to relate, I know a lot of people are, you know, y'all need to really watch this and you really need to dive into this and y'all need to check this out. Here's the thing. Some people are not mentally prepared Mm -hmm. to really Mm -hmm. view these things. Mm -hmm. And some of us, well, I'll speak for myself. For me, I I work with the public very intimately. Um, And that, in in that perspective alone, (coughs) we have to maintain a very unbiased approach on everything that we do. Um, From working with the police to working with a known rapist or murderer, I've I've come in contact with everybody. Um, so I could not subject myself to watching this knowing that these things, even with the stuff that I see on a daily basis, and then knowing that I couldn't I couldn't honestly say that I would be able to separate myself from the two. Um mm-hmm. Because I, I get very passionate about things. I get very intense. I, I you know, will look at things I'm, and I could just be talking to myself with this. Like, I'll, I'll watch certain things on even Facebook or YouTube or wherever and I'll start crying. Um, yeah, me too. Out of anger, yeah. out of passion, whatever it may be, like, it builds up and I, I'll just sit there and I'll bawl. Um, my standpoint is, no, I don't think that for me, I'm mentally prepared to do it because then I will see 
Not to say that our young, there aren't young black men out there that are not guilty of things, but it would be harder for me not to go easy on on black or brown men because I know what they already have to face. And, mm. you know, with that perspective of it, it's just, I, I couldn't do it. I, I Not to say that there's anything wrong with anybody that is able to sit through it or anything like that. But for me, I know that I'm not mentally prepared to watch these things. I have mm, almost 40 cousins. The majority mm. of them are male. For me, we already have so many strikes against us just walking out the door. And the reality of it is, is, and if I, I might just get, you know, completely blunt about it is this shit should have been rectified. I know mm. that in the society that we live in now, that more things come to light or more things are put out there. But honestly, this was a national news even then and it's ridiculous to me and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get on my little soapbox so y'all stop me uh, <laughs> it's ahead. ridiculous for me that I look at all of these people rushing to do these interviews I watch them boys talk excuse me men talk and you could tell how angry Corey was and I I honestly and truly appreciate him for sitting there saying my mother's dying wish for was for me to forgive but I don't mm. think I can. I don't know if I ever will. And you could see how passionate he was about that. It was one of those, like, you just still wanted to hug him. You wanted to hug, and he's a really big mm. guy now, but you really wanted to take him in and hug him. Like, I know I did. Just watch him because you could see it, what it did to him throughout the years. And, you know, not to... And I might have read it wrong. I, I read that he spent 13 years in there but I don't know you know if there was something that happened that they added time on or whatever but the point being is like okay now I think this week or might be next week whatever it was a thing of they're supposed to be going to the Oprah Winfrey show where the hell was she at in 2001 when they were released or even in there was a, 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 a book that came out in 2012 called the Central Park I think it was just called the Central Park by Sarah and I can't think of her last name that all of this was out there and it even dic- it, it depicted them as being innocent it didn't badger them or anything like that not to take away from Ms. Ava, Ava excuse me I, I'm definitely glad she was able to get it out there and get it on the forefront because sometimes it, it does build up on a platform but what really bothers me the most is that people knew People had the opportunity to take a stand with these men. And it wasn't until now that now everybody wants to, and I hate the word, but I'm going to use it. Now everybody wants to get on that clout train. Everybody wants to say, oh, yeah, we got their back. Oh, yeah, let me let them tell that story. What the hell? Where the fuck (laughs) was y'all all all these years when they had a voice? They they didn't just get a voice. They've been saying this. So why in the hell would any of y'all touch it? You want to know why y'all wouldn't touch it then? Because in y'all minds, y'all didn't want to be brought down because you didn't want to go against the grain which and, and face that backlash or have other shit. Break but y'all can put down. out shit about Michael Jackson and Break y'all can put down. out shit about R. Kelly, but you mm. can't spotlight how this damn prosecutor became a 
oh, oh, I just got chills. Became a, a world for now bestseller, all this other bullshit based on the backs of, again, we're going to call it for what it is. It is a black and white issue. Because mm-hmm. honestly and truly, that's as simple as it is. You know, and I know a lot of people sitting there, don't play the race card. D- fuck all that. Call it for what it is. Okay. It you was, know, it because... Show, it was damn show race. It exactly. Show so race I want to know... I just wanna, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You want to know, go ahead. You I, 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 I want to know how many of these other damn cases that she prosecuted that need to be reopened. Yeah. And yeah, any no. of these... There you go. Um, lawyers. I'm talking about lawyers, police officers. I'm not just talking about the policemen. Yeah, they need to be getting after too. But there were so many other hands in this pot that need to pay. Not just one person, but everybody. Getting her dropped from her publisher. Hey, yay, big ups. But why the hell was she able to get so big? And I'm going to add this this on too to what you're saying as well. Because this is something I was going to bring up later, but you had a perfect segue to it. Now, I know in 1989, I think I was 10 years old. So I was a kid. I remember hearing about it, you know, vaguely. And then later, you know, through history and just general knowledge, you say, okay, you know what the case is about overall, but you Mm -hmm. didn't know any details. Mm -hmm. But like you said, when you brought up Oprah, um, because in 89, she was coming into the height of her career with Oprah Winfrey Show. You know, she did a lot of controversial stuff. And my thing was this, and, and like you said, not just in 1989, but Donald Trump put out ads, billboards about these boys and saying they need to re- bring back the death penalty, put their parents' addresses in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. He stirred up a lot of stuff. Why did it not come out when he was running for president about what he did to these kids, knowing that they had been exonerated, know all of this stuff like we're here and even now to this day he of everybody who everybody is lashing at it he is like the least one who's catching any flack about his role in spreading Mm. hate against these boys Mm. and that thing is bothering me like where were all of these prominent black people running for president to say oh no we got proof that he racist because let me tell you about the Central Park Five no. You know, because mm-hmm. he was great, great about spreading all of this hatred and all of this stuff. And all of these people were up in arms and they felt like they could just come at black and brown people any kind of way because they was MAGA, MAGA, MAGA to death. But why did any of these people who were grown adults and knew that this was a national news story and could have highlighted the fact that he did this racist thing and had these racist interviews? All of this stuff, which was highlighted in the actual movie, because they made sure they showed his interview. You might not have heard the whole thing, but you heard sound bites of it. You knew that he put out those ads in the paper. He put up those billboards. He released those kids' families' addresses. All of this stuff, and none of that was brought to the forefront to current day when he was running for president. It wouldn't matter because, you know, look at everything else that he's done. That could have stopped him from becoming president. So none of, that wouldn't have mattered anyway. If they would have brought it up. It wouldn't have mattered because he would have just talked his way around it. So, and I know a lot and of people just, sitting there like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. I know ahead, a lot ahead. of these, even not let's let's not even say national influencers. Let's just say the social media influencers. I I, I noticed that a lot of them do stay away from it, and. It, it's a double-edged sword because I kind of get why 
But at the same time, it's like if you're a comedian, just tell jokes. You shouldn't be doing this. Or even when Car- Cardi B had that big backlash over speaking of this, and it's just like, oh, you're a rapper, just rap. Here's my thing. No matter what position you're in and who you are or how big or small you may feel like you are, at what point in time are you gonna are you willing to say this is gonna be worth the sacrifice? And you know, a lot of people are like, you know, what the hell are you talking about? Who's gonna do something like that? You don't see people out there doing that. Not true at all. Let me let me refer y'all back to the Dixie chicks who were at the highlight of their career when Bush was in administration. Yeah, they took that. their career and she spoke against the president. She didn't say mm-hmm. anything just quote unquote specific, but you knew who she was talking about. The mm-hmm. backlash she received, honestly and truly, they never got back to that highlight of their career because it started declining. And she received threats. Right. She said, they sat there and said, just shut up and sing. There is no reason for you to be talking about that. You're a singer. You shouldn't be talking about politics. And she sacrificed her career knowing, well, they might not have known mm-hmm. the exact backlash that they were going to get, but it was a stance that it was just like, this is going to hurt there's no way for us not to it might they might not have thought it would have got that big but they knew that they were going to have people coming at them and my so whole thing is to take a stand that that's exactly the thing. right it, exactly that's exactly my point and that's not about them being white that's not about them being black that is about an individual saying i have this awesome platform and a lot of people sit there and say, mm-hmm. who would I be if I don't ha- if I don't speak on this? They did it with Nip- um, Nipsey Hussle's death. They was like, you know, I've got this platform. Who would I be without speaking on this platform and using my platform for something good? So what the fuck are you using for exactly? What mm. exactly mm-hmm. are you doing? Because at the exactly. end of the day, these officers, and I'm not bashing all officers because I know they're held. God, I'm finna use that line like a white person talking about some I got black friends. I know for I got officers <laughs> in my family. Me too. My cousin was just um inducted as a deputy. God yeah. knows I pray for him. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I can only imagine the things that he, as a black man, has to witness on that side of the fence. And it's just like, what am I gonna do? A lot of us get in these careers. And it's our mind focus is I'm out to change the world. I'm out to be that different person. I'm out to show people that there's somebody different out there. But the bad right. part about it is, though, it's always whenever something negative happens, that's the thing that everybody wants to lash on. And I'm not talking about these damn dancing cops, which I'm going to throw shade later. I'm not talking about these dancing cops that get out to the damn neighborhoods, predominantly black neighborhoods, and buy ice cream for us or anything like that. Because at the end of the day, what happened in 1989, it happened. There's no race in this history. It wasn't a hundred years ago, like people sitting there saying, get over slavery. This was in 1989. I am 34 years old. This was only... 30 years ago Mm -hmm. and these men these boys turned men had to Mm -hmm. spend 7 to 13 years in Mm -hmm. jail over shit that could have been avoided and yeah I saw clips and don't get me started on some of these families because that Mm. is a prime example about how how the fuck do y'all back up murderers and rapists and sitting there saying he was a good boy when you know Johnny did shoot Susie and all this other shit. But mm. you don't want to come together 
when real shit happens. And let me, and I'm gonna segue into that. And I'm gonna kick this back to you, Tam, because you you brought up when well, you brought up the family. One thing that was very, very hurtful and daunting and trying was their individual life stories in the midst of the trial. And so, just from Antron's story, um, Tam, I just, what did you feel? about Antron was the one whose father, he looked at his father as a hero and his father basically told him to confess to the rape so because he was so scared of the police because he was like okay you'll go home but you just need to do it and his son was like no I don't want to do it I'm not going to lie dad and his dad basically threw a fit and just said you're going to do what they want you to do so what 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 are your your thoughts on that that was the father taking out his fears on his on his child because mm-hmm. the father has a past right he has a mm-hmm. he had a criminal past so but he had been you know you know clean and doing well for years he held down his job how many years i can't remember now he had been at he job. said four i think he had four years at that time oh, okay. But anyway, he, yeah, he had been at his job holding it down, you know, staying out of trouble for years. And the cops basically threatened him, you know, telling the father, you know, what it, it was like, you know, you have a good job now. You know, you've been there however many years you've been there. He was like, you know, to be ashamed. He was like, does your boss know about your past? You know what I mean? Playing on the father, like just your boss. Know, it'd be a shame if your boss found out about your Past, you know, you think you know you'll still have a job if he knew. Basically, this is how he's breaking it down. Now the dad is. Mm-hmm. Oh, hello, dad. I think we lost him. He'll be back. But yeah, just to kind of carry on what she was saying, the um, they were basically the dad told him to confess because. He didn't want to lose his job and the lifestyle mm. they had. Mm. And I don't know why his father was thinking if my son confesses to this, he's going to go home and they're going to leave him alone and we can go back to our life. But, you know, especially with him having been in the system and I really honestly, and I think this may have been where Tam was going to go, that it was not, he wasn't looking so much towards his son's freedom but rather him not losing what he had worked hard to do once Mm. he had his freedom Wow! and I I don't think it was intentional I think they played on a real fear that men you know black men especially have who've been in the system because he's automatically going his mind is going back to when he was locked up and the things that he had to endure and the only thing he could think of is if I lose this I'm gonna go right back you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. and so I don't think that when he was in that headspace at that time that he was thinking if my son does this he's gonna go through the same thing I went through he's actually gonna get convicted for this I think he thought hey, if he just says it and then he, they later find out he wasn't there and they can't prove it, then it'll be okay. But in doing that, as a parent, it's just, it was so hurtful as a parent myself just to see that because it was like, 
why would you you know tell your child under any circumstances to simply lie be a part of this lie you know just so you just to protect yourself and and he he blamed himself in the movie he stated you know that he blamed himself for what happened and it ended up being to the point where he basically um it caused him to withdraw and leave the family and he didn't support his son through the trial and I think it was more so because he was so ashamed of his role in his son being caught in that trap than it was anything else but it's just and he and, and the depiction was afterwards Antron and his father never had that type of relationship that they had before this happened he didn't get along with his father he didn't speak with his father for a very long time until his father became really, really ill. Um, But it just... This whole case... Hey, PD, you're back. Um, I was doing all that talking. (laughs) (laughs) You passionate now I'm like um <laughs> yeah ba- basically you know I'm just saying <laughs> I'm sorry it's not even funny but it is it really is <laughs> um, I-, I just like the mentality I can't I can't relate to the mentality of how the father can project his fears onto his child basically um you know that the fear of losing his job if his son doesn't sign a confession to rape, you know, mm-hmm. the beating of a white woman, like I, I would have to lose my job, you know what I mean, and figure mm-hmm. shit out later. That's just that's me personally as a parent. If, if that was my mm-hmm. son, and a cop came to me with this story, you know, you know, Miss Bell would be ashamed, you know, if your son, if your boss found out about your past. Well, they cause they gotta find out because <laughs> and if I get fired, I get fired. But I'm not gonna have my child confess to something as serious as rape and a beating, and I know he didn't do it. Which and, I wanna... know, the Spanish father, the Spanish father did the same thing. He allowed his son to sign it so he could go home. I'm like, and and just watching that, you know, it it really made me angry because I'm like, as parents, I say this all the time. Children don't have a say in being in this world. Children do not get, you know, any, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Children don't ask to be here, period. So when we, as women and men have children, we made that conscious decision to have them and to not give them our best at all times. It's ridiculous. 
Which I want to ask you, ladies. That's what we want to do. We want to protect our children. We want to help them grow. So, how are you protecting yourself? Telling them to confess to a freaking rape. And, and by doing so, did you really think that your child was going to go home? You're confessing to a rape. You really think the cops are going to let you go home? Why would they? You confess to a crime. Like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't understand the mentality of, of any of that. But um, yeah. I do want to ask you, ladies, since both of you have watched it, I don't have boys. I, I know I have. Mm-hmm. I have talks with my girls. Um, especially my 10 year old who you know just a little backstory quick backstory she freaked me out one day I don't buy guns not even I, I have my own of course but I don't buy fake guns at all and um I know kids are really into the whole black ops and whatever the xbox games are um and one day she had came home six o'clock she rushed in and she said, oh, my God, I forgot to give William his thing back. And I was like, what? And she brought out this BB gun. Ladies, when I tell you this thing was heavy, if the little orange piece wasn't on the front, you would have literally thought this was a gun. Mm. I freaked, mm. excuse my language, but I freaked the fuck out. Mm-hmm. I was like, who did you get this from? She was like, I'll take it right back. No, 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 you're not going outside. I'll take it. I'll take it back. As a matter of fact, I need to talk to his parents, him, and whoever else is around. And mm-hmm. I, I, she was like, "Well, mom, we weren't we weren't pointed at anybody." I was like, "But baby, you have to understand." And this is not taken away from anybody. Like my kid is very um, gothic <coughs> or goth or whatever the hell they're called now, where she wants to wear black and she wants to, you know, put her hoodie up and she's got locks. She's got dreads. Which mm-hmm. kids just want to express themselves. But anyway, so she always wants to like put her hoodie up. And I'm like, baby, you can't do that. And you have to take it off. Like, you got to put your hoodie down. Well, mom, it's just, you know, it's just a hood. And I'm like, I know, baby. And it's like that difficult conversation I had to have with her. And she plays with all these kids, brown, black, white. She does. But that particular day, she had two of her white friends out. It was bo- both boys and just her. And I was like, baby, you have to understand that <laughs> you having that, you got this black hoodie on, you had it in your hoodie, and y'all are playing as kids. But unfortunately, mm. you do not live in the same world or perspective of the world, unfortunately, that they do. Mm-hmm. Um this you know and I had to have that talk with her about how the little boy was shot you know with and he all he had was a BB gun so I told her I was like if somebody had called the police and they came to you I don't know if you would have ever made it home you know she was like but mom it's just a BB gun but they don't know that honey and not to take away from officers because things can change in a split second so my question to you ladies is as women that have as mothers that have boys Mm-hmm. at various ages and you and you know you guys really do have them at all literally all stages of life how does that change how you send them off into the world we know that we can't protect these boys from everything we can't protect our kids from everything because the world is the world and it's constantly changing however what talk 
and this this is for really there's a listener out there that's probably struggling with how to really let their child know considering mm-hmm. you know well my child's never been exposed to this so you know why would I intentionally expose them to that so how after watching this would you tell these kids now or even have these uh, these talks with your adult sons teen sons and younger sons about the real world that we live in do you have that talk did you were you appealed to you know have your kids look at it and say hey you need to watch this um how does that work out for you guys personally for me um and being very honest i never had to have that talk with my boys Mm -hmm. never um i grew up in in a city up until the age of, I believe, 15, right? After that, um, I moved to the suburbs. And when I had my boys, I made sure I stayed in the suburbs because I just didn't want them in the city. I didn't want them going to city schools. I didn't want them, you know, I just didn't want them in the environment. And I made a conscious decision to make sure they didn't. Now, they never been in a predicament where they've dealt with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I and I thank God for it. But my boys are old now. Like my boys are, they're twenty seven and twenty eight. So they're they're men now, mm-hmm. and you know, and I fear for them now as men at this point in the game, they know their way in the world. There's not, I mean, I do have talks with them, but there's not much that I can tell them because growing up, they didn't really see that. But now as men, they might. And that what scares me is that, you know, I have two sons, hardworking boys, very hardworking boys. They both have amazing jobs. They don't go out. They don't party. They don't do any of that. They're just young men living their life. And they don't, they're not even on social media. They can care less about social media. They're into their everyday lives. So what kills me about that is you see situations like that in this day. And the reason why it's hard for me to talk about or even watch this stuff because it sits with me. I'm like, that could be my son. You know, you see how things are happening with young men today. I'm like, I have two two sons out here in the world. Anything can happen. And what kind of spin would you know the cops put on it exactly they did and and anybody who knows me and knows my children they'll be quick to tell you they didn't do it they'll tell you quick without batting the eye they didn't do it because they know my children so what scares me is that they can you know they have nice cars they have nice things and what scares me is that just because of that they could be targeted Yeah. And for me, get that. <clears throat> How do you get these things? Like, because I work for it. But they might target them thinking, yeah, there's no way you could work for this. True. And like, for me, it's, yeah, I'm slightly different than Tam because my kids are growing up in this age where um, black, black boys are being targeted, you know, again, in a fierce way, like they can't even <laughs> something can happen, they can get killed, and all they become is a hashtag in the RIP story because of social media. They, it, they're in this era. My son is 16, he'll be 17 in a couple of weeks. 
Um, my youngest is 12. He just turned 12. So they are growing up in an era where now, at first I didn't really have to, but with the climate, I'm having to have these talks with them. And my son is now the age where he's going to be driving. He's got his hair with these twists and dreads. And so they put everything, like he loves to wear hoodies. He has twists and dreads. My son has, for all intents and purposes, he's never been in trouble at all in school or otherwise. He goes to church and I'm like, Tam, anybody who knows me and my husband and knows my kids, if anything happens, they automatically know. Those kids didn't do any of that. Because I know their parents. I know how they're raised. Mm-hmm. I get so many compliments from so many people about how well-mannered and how good our kids are and how they speak and how respectful they are. And we raise them like that because that goes a long way to speak to your character. But yes. even with them doing all of that, I know that in the climate we live in, there could be an incident that pops off for no reason at all. And something can happen to my son or my sons, or they could go to prison, like in this case. Mm-hmm. And so I'm having to have these talks and it, it really burns me up. Like, I mean, I'm in the car and I'm showing my son how to drive. And this conversation automatically in my mind shifts from showing him how to drive a car to son, you know, if you get pulled over by the police, keep your hands shown. I don't care if he asks you to show, get your license, get your insurance card. You ask him to get it. You ask him to get, you keep your hands visible mm-hmm. at all times where they can see your hands. You do not move your hands mm-hmm. at all. You keep them visible. Because this can be the difference of you getting a regular traffic stop and you being and, and coming home to me having to bury my child. You know what I'm saying? And then there's nothing I can do about it because they've lied and put these spins on it. Or even if it comes out, they somehow get justified by the grand jury. Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm having these talks. I'm, ha- I'm like you with your daughter. When we're out in the public, I'm telling my son, get your headphones out of your ears. Take your hood off the top of your head. Because my husband, he 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 grew up in a rough area. He grew up, you know, in, in the hood. And so he had to, you know, deal with police. And he was in that environment. So he knows how to handle himself when it comes to police and everything else like that. But I'm with Tam in the, in the, in the sense that we pulled our kids out of those type of environments to make sure they didn't have to deal with it. So to a certain extent, they're naive because they haven't had to deal with it. They don't have to see it. My son, when he was 14, we went through the projects because we had to drop a little girl off at home. And he didn't even know what the projects was at 14 years old because he's so far removed from that environment. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, these are the projects. And he's like, oh, you know. So that's what I'm saying. It's like they they could take these kids who don't have any type of bone, criminal bone, criminality, don't have any type of mindset like that and just put stuff on them or take them out just because of the color of their skin or how they look Mm -hmm. or how they're perceived. And so I'm having, it's scary to me. It scares me. Like with my daughter, she goes out with her friends and stuff and I'm like, okay, that's fine. I find myself with my son. If he goes somewhere, 
like he just his friend one of his friends had a birthday they went out to eat they went to the mall they went to the movies and I was like when you get you know I knew I dropped him off to get food but he was riding with his friends elsewhere let me know when you get to the mall let me know when you get to the movies let me know when you're on your way home and it was not so much as the fact that I, I wanted to make sure he was safe in the sense of the driving and they got where they were supposed to go. But the number one thing on my mind was I wanted to, you to text me and let me know that you made it there because I was hoping and praying and God, this is true. Nothing happened to my son while he's out with his friends. Right. Mm-hmm. And that ain't got nothing to do with driving safety. I'm literally thinking no fights, no police. <laughs> No fights, no police, no gunshots. No fights, no police, no gunshots. And that right. was my whole reasoning for telling him that. It had nothing to do with the driving safety. I thought about that secondary. But my my first concern for him was literal safety as far as fights, gun violence, and police. And, I, and it scares me because he graduates next year in 2020. And he's going off to college. And so when he's away from me, I don't know how I'm going to be able to deal with that because yeah. I, I'm, I'm so fearful of him being away and out of my sight where I can put my hands on him and, and put right. my eyes on him as the older people can say because mm-hmm. of the climate of the world that we live in. Right. So it, it is definitely, and you know, admittedly, I don't readily, when my daughter goes, I, I don't readily think of those things. And you I would think, think at this things. day and age, it would be different at this point, right? The race. Right. You, you would think so, right? But it seems like it, it's not different now. It's just more blatant now. Yes. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yes. How, do you, how, how do you deal with that, though? I like, don't think it's a point of... I, to answer I that... Let me just say real quick. I just saw online um, on, on Instagram. Didi Wright said something about a white. She's walking down the street and a white guy, older white guy, looked her dad in the face and said, "There's too many niggers out here." Like what? Like, like these are things that like my fa- my father dealt with. You know what I mean? My dad in my dad's mind, and I will always. As big as a daddy girl I was, the one thing I would debate with my dad was about was race. Like my in my dad's mind though, but I understood where it came from. He grew up in a time where, you know, the white people chased you down and, and all of this stuff, right? So in his mind, white people are the devil. Point blank, period. In his mind, that's what he 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 told me, period. Never trust them. And I said, Dad, you can't say that. That's not all of them. But I understood his mentality and where it came from because that's the era he grew up in. And it's like, it seemed like it's getting back to that. Like, it seemed like it was, you know, it was passive for a little while. It was always there, but it was a little bit more passive. Mm-hmm. And now it's getting right back to the point where it's blatant. Like, I don't like you black people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and just be like, I don't care if you go to jail. I'm going to send you to jail. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's like so blatant. How do we deal with that? I know. And it's, you know, I have, I live in a very good neighborhood. But I had a neighbor across the street. She, you know, <laughs> I don't know their backstory. 
But I'm going to just say it like this. You can take some people out of the hood, but you can't take the hood out of some people. Girl. And she oh. had her, her child's father living with, him, with her and when she bought her house. And the first two months they lived there, the police had been out to their home seven times. She called the police. She was calling the police on him, calling the police on him all the time. Kind of find out she's bipolar and she's just basically putting him through a living hell. And the last time they came out, I videotaped. I stood in my door and I videotaped it. And I cried. I still have it on my phone. I had no clue why they were even being called out any of these times until he stopped and talked to us about it. Um, after the last time and he left after that which he needed to do they came two cops in separate cars came and they were standing at the door knocking on the door she intentionally wasn't opening the door because she was trying to make them feel like it was a hostile situation going on inside her home a third cop came and he came up to the door and you could tell he was on ready because the other two had been out there knocking and yelling for 15 minutes. He came up and he did the famous foot turn police st- police stomp on the front door. And the and one of the officers said, please don't do that. This neighborhood is too nice for that. He said, okay, well, I'm going to go around to the back. As he's going around to the back, the other one of the other police officers said, you're going to have to open this door or they're gonna, uh, we're going to come in. Because they knew when he came. He he went, He went. didn't come to play, okay? Third Why one didn't come to play. Damn. She opened the door. She opens the door with her little girl. They talked to her for briefly. And as soon as I saw the police officer, one of the police officers rush her off to the side of the house I said they are going to kill this man Mm. when they go back to the door they both put their hands on their guns and drew them out and went in weapons drawn the third police officer had to kick that back door in because he came out through the front of the house the front door of the house after they had handcuffed him when they brought him out by the time they brought him out, it was another police officer that came and a few. So we now have, we are up to six officers at this one house. Five men, one woman. I'm pretty sure she told him that he had a gun. As he was yelling, I'm not doing nothing. Why are you here? I was asleep in the bed in my pajamas. He's yelling this out the front door. And all I could think of was, y'all, please lower your weapon. You have him in custody. And I and I purposely stood there so they could see me filming. And people started coming down the neighborhood, like, walking. Because now they're like, this is after 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And so they're coming down trying to find out what's going on. And only because the presence of us in the neighborhood was coming, like, what's going on? Videotaping, like, what is this? Did they even start dispersing? And the one officer who was there, who literally is a white guy, who was there, who was like, look, I don't know what's going on. He cut off his body camera and he said, let me just put him in my car. And y'all could search the house, but let me just keep him here. He stayed there until all of them left. This was a, a total, a totality of two hours, okay? 
and he stood there and he talked to that guy for the longest. When he got ready to go, he uncuffed him and let him sit in the back seat. He took him out, he took the handcuffs off, he put him in the back seat, and he drove off. The next day, the guy came to, back. He came and he said, I'm just letting y'all know I'm getting my stuff. She's got issues. He said, the officer was telling me that I need to get away before I get hurt or I get locked up. He was like, because I'm on, he said, I'm working on strike three. If uh-huh. I get locked up, I'm doing time. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, if she has mental issues, you're going to have to go. He hadn't been back since. And I'm thankful for that. But I was so scared because I was the only neighbor home when they first went in with those guns drawn. And I was so fearful that they was going to shoot this man in that house. And all I could do was just pray, like, Lord, please don't let them do this man like this. See, situations like that, too, again, I don't understand. Like, if the cops are there and they're, you know, they're banging on the door to get in, you know, whether he got strikes against him or not, if you're not doing anything wrong, he should have opened that door. He should, he could have de-escalated that. Like, why are you just going to sit in the house? You know they're going to come in. Cops are not just going to leave. So you, you made it go further than what it really needed to go. You should have just opened the door and be like, oh, I don't know why she, you know, hands up. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why she's acting like this. Why? She don't have to open the door. He should have opened the door and said something. So what and I get think, to that point? And I was just like, I don't know what he thought was going Because he looked like he actually was asleep. Because he had on pajamas. He would look like he had just woke up. And I don't know. He's still hear the cops at the door, and the fact that they got a knock down to come in, like, come on now, like you, 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 you should have opened that door. I think a lot of people still give, you know, law the benefit of the doubt. I do say very proudly to know your rights. I am mm-hmm. a proud gun owner. Will mm-hmm. always be a gun owner. I have my license, mm-hmm. but I also know that I don't have to. Not in the state of Kentucky. Thanks a lot for that, Governor. Uh, the thing about it is, though, I think we all really, we don't want to be perceived as the angry black man, the angry black woman. I think mm-hmm. we want to, we really want to say that if I don't give them reason, I'll mm-hmm. be okay. If I don't give them pause, he could have been a hard sleeper. Even even thinking back and try to kind of tie it all together, thinking back to if social media Snapchat, whatever the hell you want to be on, was as popular then as it is now. I don't know if it would have done anybody any good because too many get off still on video, still on even, even, even with social media today and the highlight of the Central Park Five, you have the prosecutor who said, well, if you, if you look at the videos, if you watch the interviews, like Untamed said, they didn't turn all that on until after the fact, until after they got the stories that they wanted. So it's just, it's to convey that that level of fear, then to convey, well, if they just hadn't done X, Y, Z, or if, and I'm not saying that you're saying this, but there's somebody out there in that mindset that why didn't he open the door if they had... Busting the door and shot him, he should have just opened the door. 
So that that kind of comes <sighs> off in a it's a it's like how can you win? Because at the end of the day, even if he had opened the door, the story was told. So they could have shot him easily. If he hadn't opened the door, could have shot him. So my th- the way that I approach that and I look at that is you have to be just as paranoid as the officers. And I'm not talking about paranoid in the sense of they're just automatically going to shoot me. But understand that your every movement, your every perspective, you cannot handle situations as your counterparts. We, we're not given that privilege. We're not given that benefit of the doubt. That's not what comes first for us. And I'm not saying that white people don't get served any injustice. I'm not saying that bad things don't happen to them. I'm not saying that they don't randomly get stopped by the police officers. I'm not saying none of that. But I am saying that the amount of people who aren't taking accountability for their roles, and I don't want to victim blame by no means, but I've read her statement as well. And not once will she acknowledge that these five boys are innocent. Instead, she wants to maintain the fact that 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 the that the court scripts and all of that and the documentations and the files will prove the truth. And 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 not to knock her because if it was me, I want to know the truth too. But if you have a well, man that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. but you have a man that comes forward says, "I did this. I committed this." Rhyme. And you know what's crazy is, as highlighted as it is that these five individuals are black, it's not highlighted whether or not the actual criminal is black or white. I find that the most interesting thing out of all of this, it is not highlighted the race of this man that com- actually committed these crimes. He could be black. Could be black. Do I think he's black? I think we would know if he was. I However, so I am saying mm-hmm. that it it's all about the narrative of the situation. The narrative mm-hmm. is trying to be controlled and it was for the longest time. So we have all of these and, and I, I get what Tam is saying. I know, I know a lot of people sitting there saying, why she keep bringing up? It's the fact that it's about a, it's a white woman. Because at the end of the day, we have been killed for less. Hell, mm-hmm. Nah, you know, you have those like Emmett Till allegedly mm-hmm. whistling, whistling at a white woman. If it had been a black woman, it wouldn't have been a damn bit of difference. But and the fact she that at her deathbed that on he her deathbed that he didn't fucking do it, and what fucking good did that do? My whole thing is these boys were exonerated, but there are mm-hmm. still so many people who are damn determined that exonerated don't mean innocent guess what bitches yeah. it do it does mean innocent it is and exactly you know what? what it means <coughs> and you know I read something online um, one of our newscasters shared the story um, <laughs> about Donald Trump's role in it and I'm not getting back on him but one of the commenters was like it's a white lady had not seen the docuseries that was you know so many years ago and you know people you know you have to be able to forgive people and one of the things I said to her was let me tell you something forgiveness comes when with admittance 
Mm-hmm. He still has not admitted that he wronged those boys. He still wants to maintain that they were guilty because of his role in it. You can't sit here and tell me to forgive somebody who is not even asked for forgiveness because they haven't even admitted their wrongness and what they've done. That's for him, Linda Fairstein, and even the Elizabeth letter. Uh, I can't even pronounce her last name. Letter, letter, however, however you say it. I mean, at some point, you have to take a response. You have to take responsibility for your actions. You can't say, oh, we just need to turn a cheek and forgive people who are still trying to, after they've been exonerated, still trying to slander these these men, still trying to claim that what they did was the right thing, still trying to claim that they actually did this crime, still wanting people to hate them. And the fact of the matter is she can roll up a hundred scripts if she wants to there was no physical evidence. There was no circumstantial evidence. There was nothing that tied those young men to do this actual crime, this rape to this lady. And as bad as I feel that this woman had got raped and beaten almost to death, they didn't. This still does not negate the fact that they just didn't do it. And they then she didn't tried to play it. it off and say, uh, well, maybe there was a sex person here. At the- yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you convicting them on them actually doing it. Now you can't go back and say, well, they were there. What the f- you know? Yeah, it, and, it's, it, and that's the part that kills me. Like, I still want to make sure that they're there. Oh, instead of saying that they didn't, they weren't involved, it just had to be another person involved. Mm-hmm. It was a sixth person. It just meant the sixth person. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So, <laughs> y'all, so let me ask y'all this: What do you all? I'm gonna start off because I, I, I just I'm gonna get this out real quick. <laughs> In the midst of all of this, um, Linda Fairstein has been dropped from her publisher. She's been dropped by her actual agent, literary agent, at this point. Because when she wrote that, because I don't know if you all know it, but she wrote a letter on the um, Wall Street Journal basically saying that Netflix and Ava were lying um, on her in the investigation. And um, so after that came out, even the agents was like, let me drop her. Even though I feel like all of that should have been done. She never should have been picked up by an agency or been able to secure any type of awards or any type of board advisories or any of this. But never, nevertheless, she's off all the board. She's off from her post. She's off from her agent. Um, the Columbia Law School students have gotten forced Elizabeth letter to resign. So all of this has happened. Um, do you think what I, I, I want to know what you all think should happen? But honestly, I really feel like at this point, with them being exonerated, and it should have happened before, but since it's in the spotlight now, I really think they should open an investigation. Not only into this case, all the cases they have ever tried, and if they find any wrongdoing, I think they should be prosecuted. I think they should be sent to jail for for their criminality and their acts of what they did because this was just a modern day system lynching is what I want to call it and so I just I want to hear you guys thought of what you all feel should be done about them I, I piggyback if you said it all to me that's what should be done I definitely think it. definitely think and honestly truly I think the gut punch would be the uh, um, an actual apology. Not no mm-hmm. handwritten one, 
Like, no, you have to stand up there without any paper in your hands. So I hope you memorize whatever the hell you might have wrote down. You have to apologize. Because at the end of the day, nothing that you or anybody can do will give these boys the mental that they lost. I can't I can't even begin to imagine the mentality that these boys subject mm-hmm. themselves to to even be okay with where they were. Right. So I, I honestly and truly or hell honestly just let them punch you in the face but since that probably won't happen um, hmm. I definitely agree everybody from the prosecutor to the judges to the police officers and I don't care if the damn cop is dead gone God rest his soul make his family pay because at the end of the day you what happened to these boys affected so much than just them it affected yes. every family member it, it affected every generation after that because in truth what we do while we think that all my my actions may have consequences sometimes you are not the one that has to pay that consequence so I honestly think in order to do anything or where to even start, because this ain't about, oh, let's change one simple law or mm. let's, 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 let's ensure. Cause hell, that's how cops wind up wearing body cams in the first place. Did that help mm. any damn thing? You know, at the end of the day, I, there is nothing that can be done that will change the outcome of what has happened. And the fact that I know a lot of people are like, well, they accept the money. What the hell did you expect them to do? Because what was they supposed to do? Get a letter? Because what was that supposed to change? Because you stole these kids' lives. You stole the experience of job work experience that they should have been having in the 7 to 13 years that they were behind bars. You stole so much more than just you stole the most precious precious thing that anybody could ever have and that's time that they will Thank never you. be allowed oh. to get back oh, you know Lord. and, and, and the, oh I just gotta to piggyback and I had this discussion with my husband and I literally cried I cried on part four was Corey's story because he was 16 and my son is 16 so that hit in a whole different place for me because I couldn't imagine my son going through I would they, they would have to kill me they would have to kill me to know the stuff that that boy endured in those prisons. But um, just from night, if we just think of in totality, from 1989 to they were exonerated in 2002, I was 10 years old in 1989. By the time 2002 got here, I was married with mm-hmm. three children. Let's, let's, let's just consider the time span. 1989 to 2002, I was 10, 5th grade. By the time they were exonerated in 2002, I was married with three children. I am just saying, I had gone to 6th grade, 8th grade prom, my first year in high school, junior prom, senior prom, college, and I'm thinking they were only at that time, those young men were only three to four, well, four to five years older than me. Hmm. I was 10. And by the time 
they were exonerated, I was married to children. Just in thinking of it in that time frame, in that essence, I can't imagine. I can't even imagine. Like, their, their entire youth was stolen from them. And it, it hurt so bad. And now being a mother of a 16-year-old and watching this, and my ch- my 18-year-old daughter and my 16-year-old son watched it. And I can tell you the impact it had on them. They watched it on their own. Both of my kids broke down. Tears. It took them a day or two to bounce back. They saw it before I did. And my son now, as a 16-year-old, has an entirely different perspective on life that he didn't have before. Because he's heard me and his dad and his grandparents and other people, you know, church people talk about, you know, the things that can happen if you do this and you do that. He try to keep your nose clean. You know, that's his dad's favorite line, son, keep your nose clean, you know, and all of this stuff. And it was just like to see what they had to endure especially Corey and I won't even go into I can't even if I thinking about it I'm about to tear up but when I say if you ever do watch it and I will put this disclaimer out for every listener who has not watched it if you do watch it you're gonna have to watch his story which is the episode for the final episode by itself at a time where you can go somewhere and free your mind Cause you will cry, and I'm not talking about tear up. I'm talking about boohoo cry from beginning to the end. Because I just, like you said, when you saw his video in his interview, that you just wanted to hug him. I wanted to reach back in time and just grab that young man and just say, "Somebody loves you." So on that note, um, uh-huh. on that note, <laughs> I would say that I want to thank you ladies for giving me the opportunity to speak on the behalf of not just myself, but those who are not mentally prepared to watch it. Understand that it is nothing wrong with it. There is nothing wrong with saying I can't bring myself to do it. Um, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with saying I'm not okay. So that's that's my final thought on the entire segment. Great thoughts, ladies. Great thoughts. And I just want to take this time out to say to Kevin Richardson and Trauma Cray, Raymond Santana Jr., Yusuf Salam, and Corey Wise, we are encouraged, we are strengthened, by your story and because of that you have made all of us better and we promise to do better for you and for people in your situation ladies please give everyone your social media information so that they can follow you and we'll end this segment for tonight hey guys I'm Miss PD you can follow me on Instagram at Poetic Designs 1 
my I'm Timeless V. You can follow me on Instagram at Timeless Everything and on Twitter at Soul Sister underscore one on one. And for me, you can follow me at Author Untamed on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You guys, we thank you for tuning in. That is all that we have for you tonight. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful evening. Good night. Night. <laughs>